I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisitions specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on this episode, we are going to be speaking with Ken Gazzardo, physical therapist and practice owner of 3DPT, and we're going to be discussing something that he's created somewhat recently, Independent Physical Therapy Association. We're going to hear all that and more next with Ken. I'm Dave Kittle, owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy in New York City and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently speaking with practice owners in regards to partnering or acquiring some or all of their practice in the New York and New Jersey area. Ken, what's going on? Welcome on the show. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I believe we met briefly like 10 or something years ago at, at when you were at Breakthrough PT. I think I, I popped in there. You, I believe we met, but we may not have. I, I can't recall. Sounds right. I probably had a little more hair then too. So that's no. That's, you, yeah, you're fine. You look like the, you look the same. Like I told I told Lance Lance Knob, like he looks the same as well after all this time. So you were at Breakthrough. You created and started 3D PT. So we're going to get into some some business talks, some business questions. And, you know, the audience, I think I wanted to share with them what you're doing with independent PT association and, and what that is and who might be the right fit for it and all that. But first, like, let's go into a brief bio. You're a physical therapist. You're now a practice owner. When did you start 3D PT? Yeah. So my partner, Jeff Saladay and I, we formed 3D PT back in uh, 2011. So we started in one little, like every practice owner, there's a story, right? So we started in one little 200 square foot office carrying our table back and forth each day. We were able to kind of not take any pay from 3DPT for the first year. So we were able to kind of build out then a bigger office. And today we have now nine locations, which is awesome. And I forgot to mention, we're both South Jersey guys. I'm from Maple Shade. You're in that area, Marlton or Mount Laurel, you said? I'm in Medford. I'm a PA Medford. guy myself. So when I got I married, a, my wife is from Mercer County in New Jersey. So when I got married, I swore I'm never moving to Jersey. I'm never moving because this was always the area that's just in the way of getting to the beach. Um, right. And now, you know, here I am. I've got two daughters in this area. I've lived here since 08, have businesses, and I just love it here. So, yeah. That's awesome. And so now you have nine locations with 3DPT and all those were de novos and organic growth, or did you guys acquire any or partner with practices to, to get to nine locations? Nah, all de novo, Dave. So we, um, early on with 3DPT, Jeff and I, we wanted people like us to work with us, right? So an idea that we always kicked around is how can we get people who are motivated, entrepreneurial people who have those qualities. So we allow like every office that we have is owned by Jeff and I and a partner in that office. So that's allowed us to then go out and open these de novo clinics. It allows us to have a partner there that cares just as much, if not more than Jeff and I. So it allows us to grow and scale without losing the quality of kind of what got us there in the first place. Mm. Now, we didn't cover this in the initial pre-interview. So if you don't want to go into it, that's fine. But now you're good with a PT that's going to partner on that new location. So they're they're they may be a newer grad. They may still have student loan debt, but you're what I, if I'm reading between the lines, like they're 
ponying up some money for the startup sure. capital or, or how does that work? Yeah, exactly. So from day one, whatever our partnership percentage is from day one, if there's $100 owed, X percent is paid by 3DPT management, Y percent is paid by that partner. So it is something that's a little bit tougher for new grads to do. But we've definitely had partners within their first year or two. The bigger thing to us is we want to make sure we work with the person. Because like, you know, Dave, like culture and brand, that's super important, right? Once you kind of have one clinic or location that's a little cruddy, it kind of muddies the whole water. So for us, we make sure even if they're a new grad that they've been working with us, kind of get to know our why, our culture, and then we go from there. Mm. And if there's anyone, any PT listening in the New York, New Jersey area, I'd be interested in that as well. So if you want to approach us, if you're, <laughs> if you have the motivation, you have some amount of clinical skills, which can always be improved, right? With content courses and all that. But, you know, if you're motivated and, it, you know, if you're a people person, like reach out to me, let me know. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can, you know, if you're listening to the show, you knew, would know how to contact me. So, okay. <laughs> Do you use, and I don't know if you want to go into the percentages, but is that usually like a 50, 50 between the therapist owner and 3D PT, or is it like a minority, like 30% or, or maybe no, not going to it? It could be up to 50, 50 for sure. So it comes down to whatever the person's most comfortable with. So if they can afford 50-50, we can, we can do that. If there's a different percentage, we talk about that as well. But it's really making sure it's something that the partner can afford, the partner can be comfortable with to assume the risk. And obviously, like you know, Dave, with more risk, it comes more reward. So yeah, so we try to make sure from an autonomy standpoint, from a mentor standpoint, that we're still able to support and provide infrastructure so the partner can start, you know, and then theoretically start out on second base where they still have to go through a lot of hurdles and blood, sweat, and tears, but theoretically less than if they were going out and doing it on their own. Yeah, because they get to learn from all of your challenges and mistakes that you guys might have made <laughs> over the years. Plus, they have your real-time support. I mean, financially, I, you know, you'd have to speak to your own accountant or, you know, whatever, if you're a, a PT listening. But like, I would assume you could probably pay off your student loans faster that way. But that's, you know, that's for a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely go, you know, speak with your financial advisor or accountant on that. So, so 2011, you started and was it like incremental growth between then and now, like with the nine, was it, you know, like, or was it in the past three years, even like during COVID, did you guys accelerate the amount of new locations that you guys had established? Yeah, so we opened our, our fifth clinic. So we, we were just one clinic for the first year or two. I think we opened our second clinic in 2013 or 14, our third in 15. And then we slowed down just a little bit because my wife was warning me that we needed a little more uh, stability instead of, instead of just keep going. So then we got to the point right before COVID, we opened our fifth clinic February of 2020. And then since COVID, we opened four more, like two a year for the last two years. Awesome. And that's mostly just any business loans, any debt, or more just like using the cash flow of the practice? Yeah, just all cash flow. We were actually talking with um, a consultant earlier today about like our strategy has always been never to go into debt. So whether that's good business or bad business, I don't know. But we've never taken out a line of credit. We've never taken out a loan. Everything is just paid for by cash flow. That's awesome. All right. So, so let's jump over to Independent Physical Therapy Association. What is it when did you uh, start it and describe to the audience, yeah. like, what's going on with it, just in case they haven't heard about it? Yeah. So IPTA, right? Independent Physical Therapy Associates, we formed in 2021, was the official formation. 
So we started getting the idea as a private practice owner, at least in New Jersey, a lot of private practices are being forced to sell off to corporations, hospital chains, or just close their doors because other states have bad reimbursement. Jersey is definitely in the bottom five as far as reimbursement. And I know Jersey is kind of at the top as far as cost of living goes. So a bill that got enacted in New Jersey was raising the minimum wage up to $15 an hour, which is on its way there. So my partner, Jeff, and I, we enjoy being able to spend time with our patients. We wanted a lower volume clinic. So we knew the type of clinic that we had wasn't going to be successful a few years from now, right? Looking at the writing on the wall from expenses going up for labor costs, for rent, we knew that we were going to have to get more revenue in. Otherwise, we were going to have to compromise something. So we started kicking around ideas. We talked to insurance carriers to try to increase our dollar per visit. And every time we started talking about it, we were told, no, 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 not negotiating. We talked to some other practices that were successful negotiating. And what we learned was size matters, right? The bigger you are, the better you have a chance to get a seat at the table. So Jeff and I started mapping out, well, how do we get there? Can 3DPT scale that quickly to get to a point we can negotiate? So we talked to some other practice groups around the country that have done a model similar to this. And IPTA is essentially a group of private practices that come together as a fully integrated entity under one tax ID. So everybody who is a part of IPTA owns a share of IPTA. Everybody comes together for billing, for payroll, for benefits, for compliance, for HR. And we are one fully integrated entity. So now when we negotiate contracts, we're one group. When we go out and try to get economies of scale with EMR providers, we're one group. And just from sharing best practices, like I've learned a ton from the groups that have joined us already that have helped make 3DPT better. 3DPT has helped make their groups better. So really what we're trying to improve is that overall healthcare and workplace experience for our employees and our patients. Got it. So everyone's on the same EMR. So that was like, I'm assuming... If someone was going to join IPTA, then they would have to upfront kind of agree to whatever vendor you guys are using. Yep, exactly. So that's something, there's some things that we do 100% have to come together on. And that's where, because we're a fully integrated entity, we have one handbook, one policies and procedures, one OSHA manual, compliance manual, one EMR. But then the autonomy still lays in the office as far as what color their walls are. You know, as long as the quality of the care is there. That's kind of up to them of how they deliver it, how they talk to their staff. That's up to them. And the way we build it too, Dave, is everybody's got a different exit strategy, right? So my partner, Jeff, and I, our main objective is to try to save private practice with this group. We don't want private practice owners to be forced to sell off. People who want to join us, it's a group of like-minded private practice owners that really want to come together to do something special. If down the road, somebody gets an offer and you know they can't refuse it, they want to drop and all they do is they basically kind of drop off of IPTA, they sell to whatever entity they sell to and IPTA keeps on trucking. Yeah. And in the, in the pre-interview, you mentioned like they can get off at, you know, they can get off at any stop that they are interested in at any yeah. point. They're not like contractually obligated to stay with you guys indefinitely or, you know, 10 years or whatever. Correct. Yeah. They can, the way we built it is again, everybody's got different ideas. So long-term, when a group is looking to join, that's a question we ask, right? Is what is your short and long-term goal? People whose long-term goal is to increase their valuation, sell off, like that's probably not the right fit for what we're trying to create, right? People whose goal is to kind of do something and come together, those are the people that we're looking for to preserve that quality of care. So you're looking for practice owners that are 
certainly looking to retain ownership of their practice for a long period of time, like a long horizon. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So if someone was looking to potentially sell in the next two to three years, or even the next five years, you would say to them that they might not be the right fit for this. I would talk with them about it, right? So we might not be the right fit for them is basically kind of the way I would look at it, right? So our group coming together, it's not as though we can't hang with the big boys as far as negotiation yet. So our group coming together, we're probably not at a point where you know we're going to greatly move their bottom line. But I can tell you the groups that have joined so far and for 3DPT in particular, every year has been more successful than the last. So there are certainly pros to this. You know, as far as insurance contracts, like you had mentioned, so we are in network with every insurance. So that is something, again, the groups that come on board because we're all one tax ID, we're all under the same insurance contracts, we're all in network with the same ones, we're all at a network with the same ones. Got it. And just real quick back to the EMR, which uh, EMR vendor do you guys use? <laughs> so right now we're WebPT. So I, I do weekly discussions with WebPT and, and with my team to make sure we should still be WebPT. So like every EMR provider, there's a lot of good. I'm sure there's a lot of not good. So my biggest thing is I want my clinicians to have just ease of use. I want transparency of billing as far as how they invoice us. And then I just want the support side to be clear and concise so that way any issues can get resolved quickly. So that's something as we've kind of formed this group, WebPT has evolved with us along the years to help us kind of advance and achieve the vision of the group. So for now, that's where we are. Got it. And just to clarify, like how much all the practices, it almost sounds like, so it's like this IPTA, it's like this group, but it's decentralized. So like the financial books and the medical record portals and like, I'm assuming everything is separate, correct? Well, so everything, because we're all one tax ID number, that is all the same, right? That's all under the same TIN. So medical records, once you sign on with the group, the medical records is all owned by IPTA Clinical. Now, what we do keep separate is access to clinics. So Clinic A is going to have access to Clinic A. Clinic B has access to Clinic B. But then as far as like the network side, the network would have access to all of the clinics if we needed to. Got it. We do share liability, right? So because we all are under 110, we are all under the same insurance policies. So that was fun. We have a group called Trident Risk Advisors out in Pennsylvania, who they really helped us get these policies in place. And that was a lot of back and forth whiteboarding and mapping out what it looks like. Because in the insurance world, what they're looking at is the sum owns the parts. But the way the IPTA works is every division that comes on board owns a piece of the sum. So the ownership is actually like inverted, kind of like stranger things. So it's the the parts own the sum. And that was kind of a difficult concept. So back to what you brought up before about groups who are joining, we're looking for good people who do good work and have a good culture because we are all under that same liability policy. So we want people who are providing ethical treatment, who are caring for their patients, who give that really good quality experience because we are all under that same risk. Got it. And then even like the financials and the books, everything, all that is kind of yeah. centralized. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. Our like, accountant he, hates us. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, he, so because, because why? Because it's not like it's somewhat centralized with the group, but it's like these disparate books instead of just like one account, like one bank account. Just the way it's evolved over the years. So starting from just one 3DPT in Medford to, 
you know, then we had 3DPT management in Berlin, and all of a sudden we've got 3DPT has nine different books. And then we formed the IPTA. So every 3DPT division has a Stranger Things division of IPTA, <laughs> which then there's an IPTA clinical. So again, our accountant, when we go in to meet with him, he had to move to a bigger office, but essentially one wall just, has a folder. Just because of you guys. Just, yeah, <laughs> one wall has a folder. So we're not his biggest client. Like that's our goal, but we're certainly one of his most complicated. So the way it works from an accounting side, Dave, is basically because we're all under that one tin, our accountant does our books for IPTA clinical as a whole. Any money at IPTA clinical level, any profits that come in go out to the division. Right. So he does IPTA clinical, which essentially is a zero dollar entity because all the money that comes in goes out. Anything that goes out of it has to come in from the divisions. Then at the divisional level, if there's profits there, those profits go down to the individual owner's original companies. So that's performance though, right? So it's all their money, right? So if if concierge, if you're profitable by a hundred grand, your hundred grand would then move down to concierge like proper, like whatever your original company is. And then your accountant would handle the books from there to you. Got it. So it's not, it's not like uh, distributions based off of, you know, whatever type of ownership. It's just, it's, it's like each of the individual partners and practice owners, they're getting whatever profit that they would have gotten if they were independent. Correct. Yep. Got it. Correct. So just like, there's a lot of the shared resources though, which is like, I think the crux of this, right? So you said using the same tax ID number, you can have better leverage with renegotiating insurance contracts. You had mentioned, I think that you were able to get in the past year or two, like a a little bit of a boost with some reimbursement just because of this, right? Yeah, for sure. So in Jersey, like the four major commercial payers, we were able to renegotiate those contracts, which was great. And really, Dave, what it allows us to do, I look at it from the autonomy and independence of the practice owner can now continue to treat their patients the way they want, right? So if if their expenses year after year are increasing because of inflation, because of raises, what have you, now all of a sudden, if because we're a bigger entity, we can renegotiate contracts. Now their revenue goes up. So all of a sudden, these practice owners are more in control of their own volume. They don't have to cram people in. And the patient and the therapist get a better experience overall because they're not being crammed in with seven other people or the therapist isn't doing 28 or 30 treatments a day. Right. Are you usually scheduling patients like every 30 minutes or so then? Yeah. So for 3DPT, so we want our therapist to do 80% of one every 30 minutes, 80% of two an hour is what we look for. So it boils down to 1.6 an hour. And for 3DPT itself, so a work week for us is 38 and a half hours, not 40. So every week we block off a half hour for one-on-one mentoring, and then we block off a full hour. So once a month, we get together as a whole company. Once a month, we get together just as the PTs. And then the other two or three times a month, we get together just as the office to go over any issues, clinical things. You know, Next week, we're going rock climbing. So just little things as an office group that we can kind of do. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Any other shared resources on the back end in terms of, so you said kind of courses and things like that. Anything that we haven't discussed that would be kind of like, you know, if you guys want to reach out to Ken, great. This is not like a, a sales process or anything like that. Um, but I, I just, I think it's super interesting because it's it's different than if a practice owner sells to one of the East Coast corporates here, then they'll work for them for one or two or three years or something like that. But like really that practice thing kind of gets absorbed into the the larger practice, the larger company versus here, like 
it's just another option. It's a different option. And so it seems like there would be other, like, because the, the runway for that practice owner, the, the horizon is such, you know, is a lot longer. They're going to be still working in that practice for another 10, 15, 20 or mm-hmm. more years. So there's other ways I'm assuming like you guys will have additional shared resources with not just the reimbursement negotiations, clinical education, CEU side of things. How about recruiting or hiring in terms of like front desk talent or, or the therapy side of things? We haven't gotten to there yet. It's a great idea. And probably as we expand, that's probably something that will encompass. So the other shared resources are HR, you know, sharing an HR representative just to keep us up to date with any new policies, new procedures, maternity leaves, make sure that we're doing everything by the book for our employees. Also compliance and OSHA. So all the stuff that, again, before we formed the supergroup, you know, we never really thought of, or I never really thought of, you know, I was probably really bad at that. So I know that people looking to join, they probably don't have all those resources right now, probably because honestly, they might not need them. But what I've learned is you probably always need them, right? So that's another avenue that we've been able to kind of help out our partners. And then lastly, Dave, is really sharing like that knowledge base, right? Helping best practices of, you know, private practice owners. I've always been, it's always been to me like a blessing to have Jeff as my partner from the beginning. Because there's things I'm good at and there's things that I'm like God awful at, right? So for Jeff, I've always been able to bounce ideas. And what it means is that I don't make every decision, right? So at times that frustrates me and it slows me down. But at the end of the day, as a business, it put us in a way better position than we would have ever been if it was just me or just Jeff. So what this has allowed my other partners to do coming on board is all of a sudden now they have other people that they can bounce ideas off of, they can talk about. And really, as long as our mission is to advance private practice, you know, like if your clinic kills it and we give you a tip that all of a sudden helps you increase your bottom line by 10 or 20%, like, good job. That's awesome. You know, it's not like a competition. It's more so, what was your expression? The high tide raises all ships. So, you know, that's kind of the idea that we're looking at, you know? Makes sense. So with in-network versus out-of-network, let's touch on that real quick. So my practice, we only accept out-of-network payers. You mentioned a couple of things in regards to like, patient experience, one-on-one treatment time, that type of stuff. What are your thoughts? I mean, we didn't really discuss it in the pre-interview, but like all your practices are in network and we do a 60 minute home visit for our patients and clients in the New York city area. So because of, you know, the way that the level of reimbursement is plus the, what therapists are basically, you know, Mm -hmm. needing or asking for it, or would be open to doing a 60 minute home visit for us, at least the in-network reimbursement, just, it doesn't cover our costs to deliver that. So we accept out-of-network insurances and we have a, a billing team that's outsourced to do that. So with what you guys are doing, you're 100% in-network, off the cuff, like what are some of the pros and cons that you see with in-network versus out-of-network? What are some things that we can kind of discuss here that like, I don't think there's necessarily a right and wrong. I think it depends on the practice. It depends on the the structure, the owner, maybe the, maybe the state or city or right. the, the location or the scenario like brick and mortar versus going to somebody. What are your thoughts just initially in network for sound network? Like, oh, why didn't you guys go out of network? Why haven't you? Things like yeah. that. So we, we kicked it around, right? When we first opened up, we kicked around the idea of going in versus going out. So a couple of things, right? So I'll give you kind of the, um, like the emotional side of me. Insurance companies to me, if I had to choose something that like is the enemy or should be the enemy of most of healthcare, it's probably the insurance company. Now to their standpoint, They've got a lot of fraud they deal with. So they probably look at healthcare as, as maybe their enemy. But at any rate, people pay a lot of money for their health insurance, right? So it's always kind of irked me that 
Like, why should they have to pay more on top of that to get the quality of care that, in my opinion, they should expect from an in-network provider, right? So my personal belief and, and my partner, Jeff, was always to provide the level of care and experience that a patient should come to expect with healthcare. So we've kind of worked on that and worked on our metrics and kind of figured out along the way how to get there while still giving our therapist raises, while still being able to keep all the lights on. The other side of it in New Jersey, Dave, is a lot of the insurance carriers are getting rid of out-of-network benefits entirely, right? So that was something that was kind of on the landscape back when we opened. And you know, we looked into some of the, the plans that I know a lot of the state insurances were going through Horizon at the time. And that was a big push that they had to remove the out-of-network to save on costs. So that was another reason that we thought over time, if we got used to out-of-network, at some point, at a network was going to be gone, and then we'd have to make the shift either to in-network or cash. So we figured, let's kind of go through the struggle of in-network now. Let's figure out how to win this. And then as we can scale up and as we can renegotiate, we'll be in a better position. Got it. So with 3DPT, is like the majority of your revenue from in-network insurance contracts, as opposed to having private pay memberships, like monthly wellness type memberships or private pay services like laser or these Norma Tech compression boots, or I don't know, dry needling or, or any other service that like maybe someone charges out of pocket for. Yeah. So we, we just started, we had our, our first round of therapists. So Jersey recently was able to, to be allowed to do dry needling again. So even though it got passed and signed into law, the state board still hasn't, I always mess this word up, promulgated, propagated, whatever that word is, I forget it. But the state board still hasn't gotten around to doing it and who knows when. So we had to interpret the law. So it took our therapists, you know, a good chunk of time to finish that certification, the coursework they needed to do. Needling is probably our first ever like cash-based service that we offer. We do some self-pay, but I would say, again, you know, Jeff is is more the the numbers guy than me. I would say it's a good 98 to 99% of our business is in network insurance payments. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. So the reason I was asking about in-network versus out-of-network is because earlier you were saying things like, you know, you didn't want to be the type of practice where the therapists are seeing 20 or 30 patients per day. So then it would be like, oh, okay, then then it would make sense for someone to potentially be out of network. But you guys were able to make it work with the in-network reimbursements, maybe with, you know, proper coding and billing and, you know, training your or retraining your staff in regards to like defensible documentation, that type of stuff. So with your, you know, 1.6 patients per hour or 80% of two patients an hour. I think I got that correct. You guys were able to make that work and not necessarily yep. have to go out of network. Correct. Yep. And make it work in a way, again, Dave, like, you know, I'm very comfortable. I'm sure some business owners are, are making more than me and that's okay. Like, I'm happy with what we're doing. I'm happy with the work. I'm proud of watching my PTs kind of be successes and watching them kind of move on to different opportunities and specialties and watching them kind of grow as clinicians. And our patients, really, that's been the biggest driving force of 3DPT has been, you know, the patients having those great experiences because of the PTs, because of the staff, because of the culture that we're able to build. And yeah, we were able to do it in network and able to do it keeping as low of a volume as we could keep. How do new practice locations keep popping up? How is this possible? I mean, you know, there's Motion PT that was acquired by Confluent. There's Strive in the New Jersey area. There's One on One, Jag One, whatever. Now Jag One. There's Professional. What else? ATI a little bit closer to like the Delaware side and, and further south. I think. How are and even you guys right going from the one location in 2011 to then your first three to five and then now nine? Like, 
how are more, maybe because the older mom and pop physical therapy practices, some are closing down and maybe that I'm overlooking that. And I didn't know, I don't know. But with the current amount of population in, let's say, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, how are there more de novos still popping up and then being somewhat successful where they're growing like you guys? Maybe it's because more people are finding out about physical therapy. They're trying to stay away from pain meds and injections and surgery. Maybe it's more people living an active lifestyle or or wanting to just have like natural treatment. How are new locations <laughs> popping up? Let's say in the past, like five to 10 years, like the acquisition side of things, like what we're doing, like that makes sense to me. But how with a current, without like an explosion of population or anything like that, how are more of these PT practices in New Jersey popping up and having a a certain amount, like an appropriate amount of patients coming in to then, you know, pay the bills, pay your therapist, like grow the practice like you guys are doing via cash flow. How is all this possible? Right. So my opinion, right, is the consumer is getting smarter. Right. So previously, if the doctor said jump, you jump, right? If the doctor said go here, you go here. The doctor said take now, you know, there was a point, and I, I still see it from time to time when a patient would go to another clinic and then come over to us and like, oh, you actually put your hands on me. You actually like listen to me, you actually worked on me. And, you know, honest to God, like that hits like a part of my soul that just like it bothers the heck out of me that this person's perception of my profession, a profession that I invested how much schooling, invested how much con ed, you know, got my OCS, got my SCS, invested all this time and energy. And somebody's perception was altered because they were laying on a table, lifting their leg for an hour and thought that's what therapy was. So in my opinion, Dave, the smarter the consumer gets, we need to keep adjusting on top of that, right? So the therapists that we hire, I think we have 36 PTs that work for 3D now. I mean, they're honestly, they're amazing. And if they weren't, like, they wouldn't be working with this in the first place. Like our, our thought at an interview is they got to be a heck yeah at the interview. Otherwise, you know, we'll kind of look for some other candidates. So, you know, I'm really lucky to get to work with these people. And then they provide that experience. So my opinion is that a lot of the consumers, they're out and they're getting maybe a subpar or substandard experience at another location. So part of experience is outcomes, right? So obviously, you have to generate a good outcome. But part of experience is experience, right? It's going to Disney World, not just for the ride, but for the ambiance, for the mute, for whatever sights and sounds there are. So that's what we want to try to make sure that we create at 3D. And I know for a fact, like we don't do everything the best out of every company out there. But a patient should come to expect that level of care, even if they don't come to us, go to a competitor, but still expect that level of care. And that's really why, in my opinion, the moms and pops, the de novos, the private practices, the clinician who opens them, they're pouring their heart and soul into that clinic to get that patient experience where they need it to be. So that patient's going to feel something, a different connection than they might feel if they were just laying on a table at a hospital. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Do you think Instagram or TikTok or Facebook Reels or Facebook Video, like, do you think some of those platforms have kind of assisted in our nation, like people understanding like what physical therapy is and like what we have to offer and, and that it's like the consumer's understanding, you said the consumer's getting smarter. So like they're understanding, like, we're not massage therapists. You're not going to just lay on the table for a whole hour. We're also not going to just like crack your spine and you're in and out in two minutes. So it's like, it's like another thing for the consumer to learn. And maybe over time, some amount of the masses have kind of understood like what we do and like, 
we're showing the outcomes, but understanding like the whole process and like that this is an option and, and also that you can just go right to a physical therapist, like the direct access mm-hmm. component also probably help facilitate it. But do you think like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok have kind of helped with some of this? Yeah, I would say for sure they've, they've helped, right? So I personally, I, I deleted all my social media. You know, I just couldn't like stand it anymore. So LinkedIn is the only one that I still stayed on. So that's how I, you know, connected with Dave again. But I personally, like our marketing director, Rachel, our CMO, Chuck, they're awesome with social media. So, you know, they do a ton of stuff and it really like our newer PTs, they love shooting the videos. They love kind of sending the videos. Our patients love kind of being, having that exposure to it. But yeah, Dave, to your point, like I, I think that has helped for sure because it's kind of more mainstreamed what a treatment session should look like or how the therapist should be able to empower the patient to kind of take care of themselves and show them different exercises, whether reactive or proactive, whether for injury, whether for, you know, proactive to prevent an injury, things along those veins. And I think social media has definitely led itself very well to that. Got it. A couple of times earlier, you mentioned practice owners like being in the position where like they potentially would have to sell or forced to sell. Can you just recap that again? Because maybe I should have asked then, but like, your option of IPTA would potentially be a different avenue for that. But what did you mean by like practice owners being forced to sell? Like if they're in a situation where they're looking to step away and retire, but they have no one to take over their practice. Like, what do you mean by some practice owners being forced to sell? Yeah. So more so just when, you know, the expenses outweigh the revenue more so when your cost per visit exceeds your revenue per visit, which again, if you look at just the way expenses go up year after year after year, you know, our revenue doesn't, right? So there's no other industry probably in the world, but I know in America where somebody's revenue is completely fixed by a third party, right? So that's where the out of network and that's where the cash is like, cash especially is beautiful, right? You charge what you want, you get paid that day, transaction complete. The in-network insurance world is a different animal, right? Insurances tell you what you'll pay them. Then we've got a team of like four FTEs. Tammy's our billing manager and her job is to just hunt down that money. You know, it's not like you buy a whopper, here's your money, transaction complete. So for a practice owner that, you know, would probably be most interested in us, it's somebody who still has the passion, still believes in what they're doing, is still trying, but because those expenses keep going up, their revenue isn't, right? So what do they do? Do they increase volume, which is gonna sacrifice their core values, maybe their mission? Or do they sell because bigger fish are going to get more money? You know, so the day that somebody buys your company, your revenue goes up by their whatever their like dollar per visit is. So we're looking for not the practice owner that's necessarily on the end who just kind of wants to kind of ride off into the sunset. We'd be more looking at the person who wants to join something to increase their revenue, to decrease their expenses, and to join part of that bigger entity. And just they can join with you guys, their revenue per visit would probably go up at least a little bit, but they're not going to have your hand in their pie per se. Cause like, again, those profits come right back down to them. So it's not like they're having to kick off, like, you know, like you guys are taking some, like, I don't know, maybe a management fee or something, but like, oh. it's not like they're. Yeah. No, I was going to say there is a management fee. So I don't want to make it all sound like, oh, yeah, just. So there is a fee to handle the billing, the payroll, the. HR, the compliance, the IT. So there is a a percentage that comes out for that. But otherwise, everything else kind of goes right down to you. So somebody who's already outsourcing their billing, oh, credentialing is under that. So somebody who already outsources their billing, it's probably similar to what you're already outsourcing. Plus, you get all those other amenities with it. 
Got it. So you have the nine locations and then your other partners with the group now. You mentioned 98% right now coming from in-network reimbursement insurances. You mentioned expenses increasing over time. So what are you going to do differently in over the next 10 or 15 or, or 20 years? Like if those expenses, rent, labor, taxes, your which I said rent, other expenses, other fixed costs yeah. are going to increase over time. And what if your renegotiations every six months, every year, every whatever, if it doesn't keep pace with that? Like, have you guys thought of that? And, and like, uh, what, what sure. position might that have you in, in in the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, for sure, David. We, I mean, we consider it every single day of, of looking at the revenue side, right? Because the biggest challenge is how do you increase revenue without sacrificing that culture, without sacrificing the mission, right? So for us, the first thing was talking to all of our therapists and making sure that when we bill, we're getting every ounce of meat off of that bone that we can, right? I look at the IPTA and being able to renegotiate and gain economies of scale as just getting a bigger piece of meat in the first place. So if we can get more dollars per visit, now all of a sudden there's more meat our therapist can get off of that bone. But to your point, right, so that's why we kind of are now offering dry needling for both our patients and their experience and just to create like a different revenue stream. But yeah, I'm not sure at some point we might have to add additional revenue services. You know, this is the first avenue that we're taking. And we know that there's, from talking to other groups, we know that there's quite a bit further that we can go with negotiation, you know, before we'd have to consider other avenues. Got it. So with the renegotiation cost provi- or the, the reimbursement per visit, you guys have not uh, hit that ceiling per se. No, no, <laughs> not compared yeah. to some other bigger fish out there. Yeah, no. And the the larger that a uh, physical therapy group gets, then like you said, the more like negotiating and leverage, the more negotiating power you would actually have. Yep. And again, that's that's one component of it. You know, and the overall goal is as we can negotiate, all of a sudden now our dollar per visit goes up. And then the businesses that we want to add as partners to the IPTA, that increased dollar per visit should help give our employees a better experience, whether through you know pay, whether through keeping volume low, vacation, whatever it is. And it should be going towards that patient experience, again, investing in continuing ed, investing in new techniques and investing in that low volume. So our patients and our staff benefits the most from it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Super interesting. I really appreciate your time, Ken. This was awesome. Whether it's it. your your LinkedIn email address, website, if there's a, a physical therapist or a practice owner out there that wants to connect with you or your team or learn more, where should they go or, or how could they contact you? Yeah. So the IPTA's website is iptagroup.com. You know, there's a contact us part right on that website. My email is just kgazardo at gmail.com. So you can just shoot me an email. And then uh, again, shoot me a message. I'm, I, I love to connect with people, love to talk to other private practice owners. Right now, we just have the contracts in New Jersey. We're looking at expanding into Pennsylvania. We've gotten calls from Indiana, calls from New York. So ideally, if we can kind of roll this out the right way, our hope is that we can kind of help out a large section of this area as far as private practice goes. So if you're in the area and can want to connect, I always like talking to people. So uh, yeah, just feel free to reach out. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ken. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N 
C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com, or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884. 